last week's message, I, I ran out of time, so I, I, I didn't finish, to be honest, how I wanted to. I actually got a little bit flustered with, uh, with myself, and I know the, at the 9 a.m. Uh, service, the two Candices uh, stood up, there you are, <laughs> they stood up and said, part three, and I took that as a prophetic word uh, for today, that I could just move on and do a part uh, three. I wasn't intending to, but here... Here we go. So I'm, I'm, I'm taking that. That's a prophetic word that I, I received today, and we're talking about criticism. So this is part three, handling criticism, or as the Bible calls it, reproof, correction, or rebuke. I think it's important that we handle correction, that we handle criticism uh, carefully and well, especially in an age of cancel culture, especially in an age where, 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 where people have no problem just smashing opinions that they don't agree with or going after people that, that might, they might disagree with. And so I think it is an issue that we need, and, and that includes Christians, it is an issue that we need to uh, just talk about. So that's what we've been doing. So this is part three. I did the first part was for the Father, second part for the Son, the third one is for the Holy Ghost, a Men. So uh, the truth is, all of us, all of us, maybe you have even this week, all of us from time to time will face criticism, will face reproof, will face, uh, face uh, rebuke or, or correction, and uh, whether it's justified or unjustified. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. And uh, remember what Aristotle said. He said, criticism is something we can avoid easily, by saying nothing, doing nothing, and being nothing. But we don't want to be like that. If you're in business here today, if you're leading people, if you're, in fact, in any kind of leadership in, in any space or place, you already know that criticism is just a given. It's just part, it just goes with the, goes with the territory. And so I, I want to give a quick recap of what we've been talking about, then we'll jump into what I want to do Today, So we've been asking the question, how do you handle criticism? Because I've found over the years, and I've been in ministry for a long time, I've, I've found that, that a lot of people don't handle it very well, if I'm completely honest. They, they, people don't handle correction or, or, or reproof particularly well. I mean, sitting here, think about people you know. Think about people you know who don't, uh, you know, maybe they're at work, maybe you're sitting next to them, I don't know, don't put your hand up, but, but think about people that you know who don't handle this kind of thing well. And of course, the scary thing is, is that someone might be thinking about you. And so to be that person, we need to learn to handle it better. How do you handle criticism? If you say, I handle it amazing. I'm just amazing, Pastor Adam. But would the people who know you best, who live with you, who are married to you, who work, are you saying I handle it great? Thank you, darling. Thank you. Thank you. Hallelujah. The people who work with you, who live with you, would they agree with that assessment? I think it's something we could all, especially as believers, get better at. As I said, the biggest room in the world is the room for improvement. And so we can all grow in this area. So how can we handle criticism well? We, what should be our attitude? So last week I gave four simple but not necessarily easy things we can do when it comes to receiving criticism 
Well, number one, it starts with a posture of humility. Humility. The Apostle Peter said, all of you, all of us, everyone's included, all of you, clothe yourselves. Clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. It then says, humble ourselves. Some people say, oh God, make me humble. No, the Bible says you humble yourself. Friends, I want to tell you, it's a scary thing if God has to humble you. We are to humble ourselves. Uh, number two, be teachable. Be teachable. Don't be arrogant. Be someone who's approachable. Uh, don't, don't be that person who's like, don't get near me. No, be teachable. Have a teachable spirit. If we're going to handle criticism well, we need humility and we need to be teachable. Have a teachable spirit. Proverbs 12 verse 1. My favorite probably passage in the whole series is, He who hates reproof is stupid. So I'm just saying don't be stupid. Can I hear an amen on that one? And number three, learn to listen. Have an open ear and an open heart. So we're moving with humility. We're teachable. And, and, and we learn to listen. We have an open ear and an open heart. James chapter 1, verse 19. Everyone should be quick. Everybody say quick. Quick to what? Quick to listen. Slow to speak. And we said God gave us two ears and one mouth as possibly an illustration of how we should listen twice as much as we speak. Proverbs 19, verse 20, it says, Listen to advice and accept instruction that you may gain wisdom in the future. And we looked at this in part one. We, we stated the fact that we all have blind spots. We all have areas in our lives or in our organizations that we can't see. We talked about Moses and King David when, when they were made aware of, of blind spots in their own lives. We saw that they were teachable. We saw that they listened and, and, and received that which came to them. They handled it well. They did what they should do, which is number four. They responded, reflected, and analyzed what was being said. Of course, a lot of people do the exact, exact opposite. They react, retaliate, and are angry. Proverbs 15 verse 1 says, A soft word. Another version says a gentle word. A, a, and this is not being weak. This is just a way to respond. A soft answer turns away wrath. Another version talks about how it soothes Anger, a soft answer, a gentle answer, a kind answer, another version says, soothes another person's anger, another person's wrath. So it's important. We need to have, again, that posture of humility. Proverbs 16, verse 18 says, pride goes before destruction. This is where we get that saying, a pride goes, pride goes before a fall. Proverbs 16, verse 18, pride goes before destruction, and a haughty, that's like a proud spirit, but better to be of humble spirit. And so our, our response should always be, always ask yourself, is there any truth? Is there any truth in what's being said? Are, are there any actions or things I can, uh, I can change or any, any measures I can take that will help me improve? Remember what A.W. Tozer said, the great devotional writer. If criticism is false, it can do no harm. If it is true, you need to hear and do something 
about it. Friends, never be afraid to test yourself by your critics' words. So let's change gears a little. We've said it's important to learn how to receive criticism well, but it is also equally important. It's equally important and important matter to, to handle the art of giving or delivering criticism, reproof, or correction well. How should we do that? Because I've found it is often in the delivery of when I've had to handle situations or two people are scrapping it out. It's often the delivery where it goes astray. It's often the delivery, how that criticism comes where offense is caused, where, where it gets out of hand. And I, and I want to say here, look, some people are always going to be defensive. You, it doesn't matter what you do, they're going to take it wrong. I mean, even if Jesus himself came and brought the correction, they're going to they're gonna get upset. They're going to get, some people, you, that's just, it doesn't matter what you say. In fact, I, I've seen so much people said, you know, I would have been fine if you had said these exact words. If you had have said blah, blah, blah. It's like, well, 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 I'm just going, no, you wouldn't. You, you wouldn't have been fine. You would have still been just as uh, upset because because people take it personally. People get upset with those things. Like I say, even if Jesus himself had brought that criticism to you, you would have got offended. And so some people are just like, like that, but we can minimize, hopefully by handling our delivery of criticism, we can minimize that or not put obstacles in the way of situations where we need to bring criticism, correction, or reproof. Because it's not just what you say, it's how you say it. Remember, Proverbs 18 verse 21 says this, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Someone said, Christians would never dream of intentionally running down other people with their cars. Then why do they do it with their tongues? Mind you, I probably have thought about running down people with like anybody else, and we need to repent of that. I mean, from time to time, you know. I lived in India. Driving's crazy. It's just how it is. But some Christians would never dream of intentionally running down other people with their cars. Then why would we do it with our tongue? We need to understand that our words, your words, are powerful. There, there is power in them. There is, the Bible says there is death and life in them. Now, when most people come to confrontation, there's different kinds of people, but for most people, uh, probably in this room, confrontation is not easy. Bringing criticism is not easy. Bringing correction is not easy. Most people find it extremely hard. In fact, that's one of the things that gets them into trouble because it's like, I don't know how to do it, and then it comes out all wrong. But most people find it hard. Most people find it difficult, scary. Uh, the thought of confrontation or, or just having to go and speak to that person can keep them up all night. They can feel physically physically sick about just the thought of going to, to, to do that. We make it way bigger than what it could be. You know, what if they pull out a machine gun? 
Well, I mean, it's just like, it just gets so big in our head and it scares the living daylights out of some people. Most people do get very nervous about that kind of thing. For others, they have no problems. They have no problems. You know who that is. Whether it's with their keyboards or in person, they have no problem yelling and screaming at people or their employees or those that they disagree with or those who are under them. It's just, they ha- they, it's just how they handle every problem. They just let, they just let loose. But we all know that's probably more destructive than productive and more death than life. The Apostle Paul told the church of Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29, he said, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. Pause for effect. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful. Friends, when you're dealing with a situation, is it helpful? Is what you're trying to do helpful? Listen, only what is helpful for building others up according to not your needs, but their needs. Is it helpful for building others? Is this going to help them be better? That it may benefit those who listen. The same passage in the ESV says this, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such is as good for building up as to the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. That it may give grace to those who hear. So our words should be seasoned. If we're going to bring correction, if we're going to bring criticism, our words should be seasoned with grace. And so I'm going to ask, is your talk grace Full. Someone said, never put your finger on someone's faults unless it's part of a helping hand. Proverbs 15, verse 31 says, the ear that listens to life-giving, life-giving reproof will dwell among the wise. For us who are here today and who are called to be salt and Light, if we're, if we're going to bring a rebuke or criticize someone or something, we should consider, is this life-giving? Is what I'm about to do life-giving? Is, is, is this, what's the intention? What am I trying to achieve? What, what's the motive? What's the reason I'm doing this? 16th century Bible scholar and clergyman George Swinnick, who authored an incredible volume of Christian Work said this. He said, A desire to disgrace others never sprang from grace. A desire to disgrace others never sprang from grace. I love the Apostle Paul's heart when writing some tough truth to a growing yet compromising church. In 2 Corinthians 13, verse 10, he says, This is why I write these things when I am absent that when I come, I may not have to be harsh in my use of authority. Paul had authority. The authority that the Lord gave me, here's why he gave it to him, the authority the Lord gave me for building you up, not for tearing you down. For building you up, not for tearing you down. 
That doesn't mean you can't say hard things. Paul was certainly saying some hard things. Doesn't mean you can't speak about difficult things or everything has to be warm, fluffy. No, I want to tell you, you can speak the truth, but it must be done in love. Can I hear an amen, amen. when we do it? That should be our motivation. That should be, be our, our heart. And I love how this reveals the apostle's attention, his intention, his motive, his heart of bringing correction and critique. Paul used his authority to build up and not to tear down, and so should we. Now, I didn't even know how to say this guy's name. It's a Greek name, Cypros Zohadis, or something like, uh, like that. You can research it. I don't know. I, can't, I, I just can't even say his name. But he, he was a great Greek-American, as you can tell, a Greek-American Bible scholar. He said this, Out of the easiest habits for any human being to acquire is the habit of criticizing others. And I just want to say, before we jump in and criticize, rebuke, or correct, or check our mo, or, 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 or check, you know, rip into somebody, we need to check our motive, our intention at the door. That's a good place to say amen. <laughs> you know, I love the old saying, the best place to criticize your neighbor is in front of your own mirror. It's where we check for logs in our eyes for, before taking out the specks and others. What, why? Why should we do that? Why should we ch start in our own mirror? Because, because the critic who starts with himself will have little time to take on outside contracts. Can I hear an amen? Yeah. If we're going to criticize or bring reproof, our motive, our intention should be like Paul. Always be to see people built up rather than torn down. How can we make a good thing better? I, I, I want to say ripping into people is not a fruit of the Spirit, as far as I can tell. It's not, I, I can't find it there. Ripping into people is not a fruit of the Spirit. It's not a spiritual gift. Yet some people, some believers, consider tearing down people, their ministry. Friends, I would say, again, what George Swinnick said. He said, reproofs should be as oils or ointments, gently rubbed in by the warm fire of love. You could say that in an Irish accent. Reproof should be as oils and ointments, gently rubbed in by the warm fire of love. Love should be our motive. The Bible calls it the most excellent way. Proverbs 27 verse 6 says, Faithful are the wounds of a friend. We should care for those we're bringing correction or criticize. So how should we give or bring criticism, reproof, or rebuke correctly or practically? Well, friends, I want to tell you, you can find a hundred different ways you can go on the internet. I'm not doing a TED Talk, I'm preaching. But you can find a hundred different ways to, to, to handle or give correction. Well, and I'm, I'm going to rush through 10. Again, you can just grab these, but I'm, I'm not going to spend much time on these. One, choose the right time or place. Don't, don't rebuke people publicly. Don't, don't, don't do that. Don't, I mean, it's going to get real serious if you've got to do that. Always, always choose the right, right place. Remember, loyalty publicly gives you leverage privately. When, when people know, you, when you speak, to, and, and again, it's the Bible way, right? It's the Bible way. Matthew 18, uh, uh, verse 15 just bring you got a matter to sort out bring it between the two of you that but people just love going public these days just like just can we just read the bible and kind of do it the bible way 
So number two, be specific and objective. In other words, be clear, be clear about what you're saying. Just, just state the specific examples or points that you want to illustrate. Number three, focus on the behavior, not the person, although sometimes it is the person who's the, who's the problem. It just, it just, that sounds nice, but sometimes it is the person. Can I hear an amen? Don't think of anybody. So, so, so again, this just helps when you're doing that, focusing on the issue, not the person, helps just, just not, make it, not, make it per, not make it personal. Use I statements. This is good. This is good. It's not you always, you always, you always. Just say, well, this is what I feel. So th- this is all stuff you can grab in here. I'm not spending a long time on this. Balance negatives. Number five, balance negatives with positive. Don't just go in there and you're, you mess up and get down what to do. Again, that, just, tell them the good things as well. Tell them, tell them where they're winning and, and, and so on. Um, uh, offer suggestions and solutions. Number seven, be empathetic and considerate, show empathy, don't just go into, again, this comes down to motive, don't go, just go in, just to, well, I'm going to show you, no, that, that's not the right motive or attitude, number eight, be open to dialogue, encourage an open conversation, invite the person to share their perspective, don't, don't just make it all one way, this creates an opportunity for mutual understanding, number nine, use constructive language, you know, use constructive language, number ten, number ten, Follow up and offer offer support. These is that, that's just TED Talk stuff, and, and handy little hints to know. But you can find those anywhere. I just want to talk about really the attitude and the heart behind it, because I'm a preacher, not a TED talker. So the goal of constructive criticism is always to help someone grow and develop. Now, can I say this? You can do everything right. You can do everything right. You can do all of those little, you know, 50 points of things you should do. You can do all of that right, but it still doesn't guarantee the right response. You can do all of that right, have the right motives, have the right intentions, but that doesn't mean it will be received well. Some people just won't receive it well. That is completely up to the other person. But I want to tell you, by applying some of these things we've talked about, it, it, it does give you a better chance of it being received well and the other thing i think you've got to understand when you're giving criticism to another person or you're critiquing or you're approving the other thing you've you've got to be aware of and i think this is important is you may be wrong you may be wrong you may be wrong in your critique i've i've had people critique me and 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 i've I said, if I had listened to my life, to every critique that had come my way, I would have never done anything. Because people will always come and tell me things like conference, or, oh, no, I don't think we can do it. I don't think it's this. It's too much. Uh, it's, uh, again, I, I remember I was running a publishing business. I used to run this thing called Youth YWAM Publishing over in India. We, we did prayer diaries and all kinds of things. It was, it was a, we were distribu- distributing Christian music over there that Indians could, uh, could afford. And, and I remember making these prayer diaries, and this guy, lovely guy, we're still friends today, Sean, Sean was his name, and, and he, he was a big accounting dude. He worked for a company in England called PricewaterhouseCoopers. It's like a real big thing. And he saw what I was doing. He's like, this is, this is terrible. This is not going to work. And he would just like, he would just pull apart everything we're doing. I was like, but I think, I, I think we should do this. And I, he's like, it's not going to work, mate. It's not going to work. And so anyway, we made it and whatever, and I'm just listening. Background, not only that, my national leader at that time said, it's not going to work. 
It's not going to do it. You should stop it. It's just a, but I want to tell you, uh, we just kept, I, I couldn't stop it. I'd gone too far. I'd gone too far. And so, so, so again, they were just like, you can't do it. Can't. And, and, you know, I want to tell you, after they were all sold, hallelujah, amen, and all went and all, we've been used all over the country. They came back and said, oh, we, we just want to, him and my national leader just came back. We, we just want to apologize. We, we were just wrong. We, we were criticized. We, it was out of our own fears, out of our own stuff, out of our own things. We, people do it for all kinds of reasons. But we were just wrong. And so when I'm saying when you're going to bring criticism to people, when you're going to bring those kind of things, just understand, understand also. You may be right, but you also may be wrong. And that's where we've got to understand. It, it, it will go full circle. As I said, not all criticism is created equal. You can be wrong. You, and, and here's the thing. If you give criticism, you've got to be able to take it back. You've got to be able to be prepared for pushback. You can't just go give it because, friends, I want to tell you, you, we all know, you point the finger, you point the finger at a situation, there's always three pointing back at you, <laughs> unless you've had an industrial accident. <laughs> but uh, the, like my father's got a missing finger. So, so it's like you can point the finger, there's always three coming back at you. Friend, you want to give criticism, you've got to be straight away ready to receive that, that criticism or some other pushback to that. Proverbs 18 verse 17 says this, the one who states his case first seems right until the other comes and examines him. You know, I've had situations where I have to do counseling over the years and people say, well, they did this and they did that and they did that. And it's just like, oh my God, I can't believe it. But I've learned because of that scripture, you don't, you don't just say, okay, now I'm going to go and talk to the other person, they'll come and say, but they did that. I thought, ah, oh, now that makes sense. They said, they said, and then there's the truth somewhere in the middle. Proverbs 18, verse 17, the one who states his case first seems right until the other one has heard. Be prepared. You, you give it, be prepared to have it back. Be prepared to get it pushed back so to wrap this up we're talking about handling criticism well whether you're a person bringing criticism or a person receiving on the receiving end of criticism what should be our attitude your attitude should be Ephesians 4 verse 2 be completely humble be completely humble and gentle be patient patient bear with one another in love Colossians 3 verse 12 says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Patience. Let me say something about patience. Patience is not the ability to wait. Patience is not the ability to wait, but the ability to keep a good attitude while you wait. Micah 6, verse 8, He has shown you, O mortal, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you, to act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. Whether you're the person bringing the criticism or the person on the receiving end of criticism, what should be our attitude? What should be our posture? Humility. Humility. So I hope that's helped you. I hope that in your life and just as you journey out, because we're called to be salt and light, 
when you're dealing with people, it can be sometimes very easy to go gangbusters after people on our keyboards, in our companies. For those who work under us, I'm, I'm, I'm just saying, compassion, kindness, motivation, intention, love, humility. If you give it, be ready to receive it. Be ready to listen and be teachable. If you give a push, be prepared to be pushed back. Find the answer somewhere in the middle. Would you stand? With every head bowed and every eye closed. Maybe you're here today and you've never given your life to Christ. Maybe you're here today and you know you need to get right with God. You know, life has many choices. Eternity only has two. There is a heaven and there is a hell. Friend, if you were to die today, where would you spend eternity? The Bible says, as I've said, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. No one can make their way to God. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He came that we might have life and life in all its fullness. You may be here going, well, I'm not good enough to, to, I've got to get my life sorted out, Pastor. I've got to get all my things, all my, all my business sorted before I can follow God. I've got to, you know, become a good person. Friends, you've been trying that for years. That don't work. Friends, you need to give your life to Christ. Well, I'm bad, Pastor. You don't know how, what's going on in my life. Friends, this is the power of the gospel. It's not about how bad you are. It's about how good he is. It's what he has done for us. He died on the cross. He took our death that we could live his life. He shed his blood so we can know freedom today. And the Bible says, he who the Son sets free is free indeed. Jesus said, come to me, you who are burdened, you're, you're heavy laden, come. And you know if that's you today and you need to get right with God, every head bowed, every eye closed, in a moment I'm going to pray a prayer. And that prayer just says, Jesus, be king of my life. Today I give my life to you. If that's you and you know you need to be a part of that prayer, and this is a prayer we're all going to pray together. If you, if you know, I need to get right with God. Wherever you Wherever you're standing, would you just put your hand up and say, that's me, Pastor. Would you include me in your prayer? Would you include me in your prayer? Anyone here who, who you know you need to get right? Thank you down the back here. Anyone else? You know you need to get right with God today. Don't leave this. Thank you over to the side. Anyone else? You know you need to get right with God. Today is the day of your salvation. Hallelujah. You can slip those hands down. Let's all pray this together. Lord Jesus, I come to you today, a sinner in desperate need of a Savior. Today, I turn from my sin and turn towards God. Forgive me, wash me, cleanse me. Be not just my Savior, but my Lord from this day forth. This I ask. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen.
Can we put our hands together for those who said yes? Yes to Jesus. And let me just pray for you as you, as you go. We've sung these ancient words today. And let me now proclaim them over you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn His face towards you and give you peace. And everybody said, Amen. If you need prayer for anything, there's a prayer station off to the side over here. The lovely putts will be ready to pray with and for anything. Otherwise, have a blessed day and some great fellowship.